The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 204. Are you ready to think locally and act locally? Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page, at Brian McClanahan. And, of course, subscribe to my YouTube page, at Brian McClanahan. You can watch this podcast on YouTube, so go on out there and do that. Also, don't forget to go to McClanahanAcademy.com. You can enroll there. It's always free to do so. And those that do enroll will get the best deals on forthcoming courses. I've got a new course coming out uh, sometime in the late spring or early spring. Somewhere in the spring it'll be out. And Of course, uh, you want to get that deal. I always have a deal for any of my podcast listeners. If you want to get a deal on the five classes I already have, just use the coupon code PODCAST. <clears throat> you can take uh, 10% off your McClanahan Academy purchase. So go on out and use that coupon code PODCAST. Also, you can uh, support The Brian McClanahan Show by going to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. Anything you do contribute is greatly appreciated. And you can always support The Brian McClanahan Show by going to learntruehistory.com. Learn True History, that is my affiliate link for Liberty Classroom. You've got that out there. You can subscribe to Liberty Classroom. Great website. A lot of bang for your buck. I do teach there as well. So you've got a lot of opportunities to have me as your instructor online if you can't take me uh, in person. So you've got McClanahan Academy. You've got Learn True History. Uh, also at brianmcclanahan.com, excuse me, if you give me an email address, I will give you a free ebook and a free audiobook, uh, Forgotten Founders. And that is the topic, as, as a matter of fact, the founding fathers of today's podcast. So you want to get that free ebook, free audiobook. I'll give you. Um, those things, if you just give me an email address, and you'll get an email from me a couple times a week. It's not a, it's not excessive, uh, so go on out there and give me that. Okay, that said, <clears throat> let's talk about the topic for the week, which is uh, a piece from New York Mag, and of course it's Alexandria Casio Cortez or Casio or however you want to say her, her name. I don't even know how these uh, the the emphasis how they're saying it now. That's uh, we have to say it this particular way, so I just say it Casio Cortez. Um, and the title is AOC. Look, one of my greatest pet peeves of this woman is that somehow she, the only AOC I know is the Articles of Confederation. Okay, but this AOC stuff is nonsense. AOC thinks concentrated wealth is incompatible with democracy. So did our founders. I mean, first of all, from the beginning, Eric Levitz is a complete moron. I think one thing we have to start doing uh, for, from here on out, is when these leftist kooks, or even neoconservative kooks, say stupid things, you have to call them stupid. I mean, look, just start calling a spade a spade. They're just stupid. Uh, so Eric Levitz is stupid. Uh, I think that that's something that we have to start doing because this kind of idiocy is uh, is problematic. Uh, this isn't just a difference of, well, it's, it's, it's their interpretation, but they don't even know what they're talking about, which is the worst part of it. Okay, so I'm going to get into this because he talks about Jefferson and the Jeffersonians, and of course he's got Tom Paine. The, the picture uh, is Jefferson, Tom Paine, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, <clears throat> so this is a a a uh, not so veiled attack on Sean Hannity is basically what it is. And uh, look, Sean Hannity is problematic as well many times, but uh, what he's saying, what where he's attacking Hannity is is just not even a news story. Okay, so. I'm going to read this because it's um, it's full of stupidity. So, in 1835, Alexis de Tocqueville produced one of the earliest accounts of the American dream. He did? 
<laughs> I didn't know that's what he... Alexis de Tocqueville's American Dream. I didn't know it was titled that. I, I, I thought the title of the, uh, of the set was Democracy in America, but nope, according to Eric Levitz, it's the American Dream. In his famous study of the Jacksonian U.S., the Frenchman wrote that Americans possess, quote, the charm of anticipated success, a ubiquitous optimism that he attributed to our country's democratic character and to the general quality of condition that prevailed among its people. Uh, de Tocqueville was also very laudatory of uh, uh, the South, which, of course, many people say was anti-democratic. But you know, he wasn't he wasn't praising. Uh, he actually complained about some of the aspects of American democracy. He said it was destructive. But anyways, on Wednesday night, Sean Hannity took to, took de Tocqueville to task. And the Fox News' host telling general economic equality is not a precondition for the American dream, but rather an insurmountable obstacle to it because the American dream is apparently to earn more than $10 million a year without having to pay a top marginal tax rate higher than 37%. I mean, this is stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Uh, first of all, and, and of course, this is a an attack on wealth. This piece certainly is. And of course, that's what Ocasio-Cortez, that's one of her main uh, platforms, is to attack wealth. Of course, Hannity did not actually frame his argument as a rebuke of de Tocqueville. His true target was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. After popularizing the idea of a 70% top marginal tax rate earlier this month, did she really popularize that? I mean, I think in these, th this is the strange thing about the lefties. They, they live on social media, so they live on Twitter. And because Twitter says it, well, obviously it's true. Uh, we know that if you go on Twitter, whatever Twitter says is 100% accurate and correct. And because their lefty echo chamber on Twitter says, this is a great idea, well, then Americans somehow believe that a 70% top marginal tax rate is a great idea. I, I think that most Americans would probably say, no, it's not really a good idea. Because most Americans realize that uh, the reason that American economic opportunity is there is because you can make as much money as you want to make. Uh, I mean, of course, we are hindered by these nasty tax uh, brackets. I mean, even 37%, if you think about it. Uh, first of all, most wealthy, I mean, I don't want to get into all this, but most wealthy don't even pay that rate because of the way they, they, they pay themselves. But regardless, um, the, most Americans want to make $10 million a year. Heck yeah. Who doesn't, who's, who walking around doesn't want to make $10 million a year? And so that opportunity, that possibility that you can make a lot of money drives people into entrepreneurship. It drives people into business. It drives people to take risks. If there's no, if there's no opportunity for reward, why even do the risk? So you're just going to have a stagnant economy. We see this. History has proven this over and over again. Yet, we still have people running around talking about a 70% top marginal rate like it's never been tried before. We, or we had that in the 1950s and the economy was great. It was? It was great in the 1950s? Hmm. I, anybody want to buy a 1950s house? And most people say, no, I don't want to buy that. Why? Because it's too small. Well, why is a 1950s house too small? Because they didn't have the capital at the time to go out and buy anything bigger and houses were built smaller because of interest rates and other things. So do you really want that? Um, do you really want that? We know that 1950s houses are teeny tiny houses. They just didn't make them very big. Now, nowadays, you buy a modern house, they're nice and big. So more capital, uh, people have more money. I mean, even the middle class, I mean, where I live, they're building houses for soldiers that are larger than southern antebellum plantation homes. And they're a couple hundred thousand bucks. Now, the construction is not always the best, but this is what they're doing. Okay, so th this, this idea that somehow 
uh, Americans believe in a 70%. I mean, yeah, th oh, well, I think we should tax the rich because, you know, they make more money. I mean, this is essentially what that comes down to. But when you press them on it, no, no, I don't want to do that because they don't want to pay it either. What happens if they make a million dollars? The freshman congressman recently suggested that the mere existence of billionaires is both immoral and a threat to American democracy. Quote, she said, I do think that a system that allows billionaires, allows billionaires to exist. Think about that phrase, allows them to exist. What do you want to do, kill them? I mean, if we allow them to exist, that means if we don't allow them to exist, they have to die. Or you have to take all their money. You, and if you try to take their money, you're going to have to kill them. So allows them to exist. Where there are parts of Alabama where people are still getting ringworm because they don't have access to public health is wrong. So first of all, that, <laughs> that, that statement about ringworm in Alabama. There was a piece that came out in The Guardian a couple of years ago about ringworm in Alabama. And it was in, uh, they don't even know where the black belt is in Alabama, number one. This is in the Black Belt. I was actually in the Wiregrass region of Alabama. And it's not because they don't have access to public health. It's because they dump their sewage right into their yard. And, uh, yeah, certainly they don't have the money for septic tanks. So why is it that septic tanks and other things are so expensive? Because of regulations. Uh, so they just dump their sewage right in the yard. And the, re the only way you get ringworm is to walk around in open sewage and bare feet. Now, these people, uh, I think, have shoes. Now, if they don't have shoes, that's a problem. But uh, you just don't walk around in your raw sewage with uh, your bare feet. And uh, you don't get ringworm. Now, this is a problem. There's no doubt about this. But what does taxing a billionaire have to do with this? Are you going to go in and give all these people a septic tank? Are you going to go in and spend all this money to put a sewage treatment plant there uh, in these areas, which doesn't sustain it and support it? Even the, even the geography of the area doesn't really support a septic tank. Uh, so, are you going to relocate these people to somewhere that's not so marshy and swampy? I mean, is that what you're going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? This is just a this is platitudes. It's stupidity. It it's it's the it's a complete uh, worthless argument. Ocasio Cortez told the writer Tanisha Coates, who again is also a stupid historian, during an interview on Martin Luther King Day. One day, I, I say historian in quotes, it's not really. One day later, the congresswoman approvingly quoted an op-ed by the economist Gabriel Zuckman and Emmanuel Saez, Saez, which argued that the purpose of high taxes on wealthy wasn't merely to generate revenue, but rather to safeguard, quote, democracy against oligarchy. It, it is. But I mean, this is where they get into this. Okay, so we're just going to tax people because we're protecting democracy against oligarchy. We're not in favor of oligarchy. Um, again, platitudes. It's just slogans. It's slogans. It's Marxist slogans uh, that don't really mean anything because the oligarchy is in both parties. And I'm going to I'm gonna actually, I think, do an episode for the next uh, Brian McClanahan show that gets into who the real conservatives are. And in fact, Cortez is a real conservative. Um, and I'll explain in, in the next Brian McClanahan show. Hannity's not buying it. Uh, Levitz goes on. Hannity's not buying it. The Fox News host informed his audience Wednesday that Ocasio-Cortez had, quote, called the American dream immoral and that she wants to empower the government to confiscate said dream. Better hold, hide your nice things, Hannity advised his audience, whom he essentially believes to be composed primarily of billionaires, because here come the excess police. Well, no, he doesn't think that at all. This is just, again, stupidity. Uh, this is middle class people. Hold on to your nice things, because it won't stop with a 70% top marginal rate. They're going to hit anyone making over, say, $100,000 a year. Uh, and $100,000 a year, I mean, yeah, it depends on where you live. That's, that's a nice amount of money. But you're not rich. 
You're, you're upper middle class, but you're not rich. Okay. Hannity was hardly alone in deriding AOC's antipathy for AOC. AOC's antipathy for billionaires as fundamentally un-American. But in reality, there's nothing foreign or communistic about the idea that concentrated wealth is incompatible with democracy or all too compatible with mass poverty. Republicans might call such notions radical, but many of Republic's founders would have called them common sense. No, they wouldn't. Compare AOC's first argument that the simultaneous existence of billionaires and poverty is immoral and thus justifies steeply progressive taxation with Thomas Jefferson's reflections in 1785. During a visit to the French countryside, Jefferson found himself scandalized by the condition of the laboring poor. In a letter to James Madison, Jefferson wrote that the extremity of European inequality was not only morally suspect, but economically inefficient. Aristocrats have grown so wealthy, they were happy to leave their lands uncultivated, even as masses of idle workers were eager to improve it. Thus, these proto-billionaires undermine both the peasants' ability to transcend more, mere subsistence and their society's capacity to develop economically. So then he quotes Jefferson. Now, let me explain, and I'm not going to read these Jefferson quotes because of time, but let me explain. Jefferson was in France, and yes, he had an aversion in 1785 to the French landed aristocrats. Okay, but that does not mean he was against billionaires. In fact, what Jefferson would have said, and what they're leaving out here, is that the Southern or American system of labor was preferable because you didn't have idle people. And, of course, you had land, you had freemen, and those freemen and the land where there was plenty of land in America to, to purchase this land. Of course, this is why he's for the Northwest Ordinance. This is why he was interested in selling this land, not giving it away, selling it so that people had, had plenty of land. Uh, but that was not a Marxist uh, position or an attack on the wealthy. Jefferson himself would have been considered close to a billionaire in modern money, right? If not a billionaire. So the fact that uh, Jefferson was talking about this, he was against this hereditary aristocracy in France. That was more, it wasn't about uh, the fact that they had money. It was the, the lazy French hereditary aristocracy. He didn't complain about the British system where you had, would have been billionaires. Uh, he didn't complain about those people, these landed aristocrats in Britain, because there was a vitality to the British uh, uh, plantation system or the British estate system. So I'll read Jefferson's quote. The solitude of my walk led me to, into a train of reflections on the unequal dis division of property, which occasions the numberless instances of wretchedness which I observed in this country to be observed all over Europe. The property of this country is absolutely concentrated in a very few hands. I ask myself what could be the reason that so many should be permitted to beg who are willing to work in a country that, where there is very considerable portion of uncultivated lands. These lands are kept idle mostly for the sake of game. It seemed then that it must be because of the enormous wealth of the proprietors which places them above attention to the increase of their revenues by permitting these lands to be labored. So Jefferson is talking about here, again, available land and having this land available for people to purchase. Not give it to them, but purchase it. Uh, because he made that clear with the Northwest Ordinance of 1785. And then he goes on... Um, to, to decide, as the and then here is how Jefferson proposes to address the obscene coexistence of concentrated wealth and underemployment of workers. I am conscious that an equal division of property is impracticable. An equal division of property. So he's saying, we're not going to give it to everybody. I, mean, I, I guess the guy, he didn't bold that well, but he missed that. 
But the consequences of this enormous inequality producing so much misery to the bulk of mankind, legislators cannot invent too many devices for subdividing the property, only taking care to let the subdividing go hand in hand with natural affections of the human mind. So they can come up with an idea like the land ordinance of 1785 where you have this vast and you can sell it. The descent of property of every kind, therefore, to all the children or to the brothers and sisters or their relatives in equal degree is a politic measure and a practical one. This is the German idea of subdivision of property. Not, um, And he was against entail and primogeniture. This is his attack on entail and primogeniture. Another means of silently lessening the inequality of property is to exempt all from taxation below a certain point to tax the higher portions of property in geometrical proportion as they rise. So, uh, he's saying a, a, a progressive or graduated income tax. Whenever there is any country on un uncultivated lands and unemployed poor, well, it's not really an income tax. It's um, they're taxing property here. Uh, that's not income. So, well, I, I say that he's talking about progressive. He's talking about property taxes. Not uh, so. So scratch what I said about an income tax. He's talking about property taxes. Whenever there is any country, uncultivated lands, and unemployed poor, it is clear that the laws of property have been so far extended as to violate natural right. It is too soon yet in our country to say that every man who cannot find employment but who can find uncultivated land shall be at liberty to cultivate it, paying a moderate rent. But it is not too soon to provide every possible means that a few as possible shall be without a little portion of land. The small landowners are the most precious part of a state. So, yeah, Jefferson was for But he's saying right there, he's, he's going against what Levitz is actually advocating and what Cortez existence of billionaires is immoral. Jefferson is not saying existence of billionaires is immoral at all. He's not saying that. All he's saying is that, yeah, we can have uh, a, a economic uh, uh, program where you can have people have access to land and you can have property taxes, which are compatible with how much property they own. Um, but not this isn't an income tax. I mean, you wouldn't even have thought of an income tax. If Ocasio-Cortez's views are un-American, then surely the words from our third president are as well. Um, uh, no, they're two different things. I mean, this is, Levitz, again, is stupid. He's, he's misinterpreting what Jefferson is saying here. Jefferson's attack is on this hereditary aristocracy and the holding of land and not allowing that land to be redistributed. Uh, there are plenty of people, the agrarian critique, of uh, industrial capitalism had at its core the idea that people needed land and that government, at times, should sell land. Uh, I mean, there were people in the 19th... Look, you go into the conservatives of the middle of the uh, 20th century, early to middle of the 20th century, people like Chester Chesterton and Belioc, they were talking about a distributism economic policy where you would take land not being used, the government would purchase it or confiscate it, and then they would sell it to people uh, so they have land because the idea was land. Now, this is not income. This is land. Jefferson makes that paying a moderate rent. You go get to use the land and pay a moderate rent or you purchase it. I mean, that's the point. He's not telling people you, you just give it to them. You pay a rent. To be sure, Jefferson's views on the property, uh, propriety of wealth redistribution were hardly consistent. And, of course, the slave owner was never concerned with minimizing the number of landless African Americans or women in the United States. Of course, they have to get in the dig. What's more, the bulk of American founders regarded wealth redistribution as a species of majoritarian tyranny and designed the Constitution to guard against such despotism. Well, this is 100% true. Uh, you look at the number of founders that were actually uh, billionaires, what we consider billionaires or millionaires. And we wouldn't have the American War for Independence without them. 
My point here isn't to suggest that AOC is channeling the sacred wisdom of her public's founding racists. <laughs> Listen to that statement. I, I love this stuff. My point here isn't to, su- isn't to suggest that AOC is channeling the sacred wisdom of a republic's founding racists. Stupid. Rather, it's that she's claiming one deeply rooted strain of American thought on American morality. And while that strain might have been marginal among the leaders of the American Revolution, it was progressive among its foot soldiers. There's a reason the leading propagandist of the war effort Thomas Paine was one of the earliest champions of the American, American welfare state. So Payne was a foot soldier, uh, the bohemian hippie who walked around with, uh, the, uh, with the army and wrote stuff down. Uh, I mean, to Payne's credit, he did give up uh, all the proceeds from common sense to help the war effort. Uh, he spent time in, in uh, France uh, after the war where he was imprisoned by the French government. <laughs> uh, and, of course, Washington refused really to do anything for him because he didn't like Tom Payne. So there you go. Uh, regardless, or Ocasio-Cortez's second army against the existence of billionaires that concentrated wealth is incompatible with genuine, genuine democracy was something close to conventional wisdom among the founders. Really, it was. It was. So you're talking about John Hancock, the Baron of Beacon Hill, the man who was the wealthiest man in America, who the Adams called the milk cow of the American Revolution. You're talking about that guy, the, the, the guy that financed the entire war effort in New England for a time? You're talking about that guy? They were against that guy? Right. Or how about George Washington, who uh, was a billionaire by modern standards? Uh, you're talking about that guy. That guy that um, was the greatest American, is the greatest American in American history, was the only man that everyone universally respected. Tom Paine, of course, didn't, which is why he languished in prison in France. But uh, for, for the most part, every American universally respected. You're talking about these billionaires? Because they were billionaires or a number of others that were billionaires, or at least, very minimum, millionaires in this particular time period. Yeah, those guys. Those guys. I mean, the fact is, the American War for Independence was not some radical departure from the, common, from the, the, the uh, status quo in America. At all. The Constitution reflects that. The American War for Independence reflects that. The entire process reflects that. This guy is a complete and absolute doofus. America's first political theorist took these truths to be self-evident, that a person could not exercise political liberty and not possess a modicum of economic autonomy, and that disparities in wealth inevitably produce disparities of political power. The notion that political freedom as a material basis did not originate with Karl Marx and the creed of communism was a core idea of 17th century British political theorist James Harrington in his formulation of classical republicanism. Man does not own the means of his own reproduction, cannot exercise political freedom, Harrington argued because, quote, that man... The man that cannot live upon his own must be a servant. Likewise, a man of immense wealth whose fortunes consigns great masses of men to servitude is inevitably a kind of tyrant. Uh, so these premises deeply inform the American founders' conception of Republican liberty. Now, uh, the fact is these Americans also read a lot about Roman republicanism. I mean, they, they, they study the Greek republics. Uh, their notion of republicanism was deeper than just James Harrington. Uh, and... Uh, the fact is they were Republicans, and yes, they, they believed in independence. Didn't mean they were against concentrations of wealth because they all sought it. Even a consummate elitist like Alexander Hamilton couldn't help but echo Harrington. Harringtonian thinking, when writing in the Federalist Papers, a power of a man's substance amounts to the power over his will. 
and so, uh, yeah, okay, but they're also talking about taxes there. You see, they didn't want taxes to confiscate what people worked for. Uh, critically, relatively few of the founders saw these premises in a progressive light. To many 18th century American elites, the fact that the populists lacked the capacity to exercise genuine political freedom was not an argument for giving them property, but rather for denying them the franchise. Similarly, the no notion that true democracy couldn't coexist with wealth and equality struck many leaders of the early republic as an argument against democracy. Power and property may be separated for a time by force or fraud, but divorced never. Benjamin Lee, a conservative legislature in Virginia's House of Delegates, argued at the state's Constitutional Convention in 1830. For as so soon as the pang of separation is left, property will purchase power, or power will take property. Being a man of property, Lee concluded that the power should therefore be denied political rights, saying if it does not follow that because all men are born equal, born equal, that all may rightly claim and establish society equal political powers. I mean, this is... Thus, Ocasio-Cortez's belief in the moral necessity of mass democracy and women's suffrage and the abolition of slavery would have struck many a founding father as radical. But her insistence that true democracy is incompatible with America's present distribution of property, in which the richest 0.1% of Americans command as much wealth as the poorest 90%, would have struck Jefferson and company as problematic. And a large body of political science research suggests that their shared intuition is correct. What? But just that's an aside. Political science research. <laughs> well, uh, political scientists are a bunch of bunk most of the time. All of which is to say, if the right of self to self-government is an inextricable component of the American dream, then it isn't AOC regards the dream as immoral. It's Sean Hannity. And every other multimillionaire believes that legislators should not invent many devices for subdividing property. Uh, again, property and income are two different things. Uh, but this is the thinking of these idiots on the left. They don't understand the agrarian critique, the Jeffersonian critique of American finance capital. Uh, the, the agrarians weren't necessarily against banks. They were against state infusion or state, uh, state banks and the uh, infusion of government into finance capital, the two things getting together. Uh, if you read John Taylor of Caroline, people say, well, he's a Marxist. He's not. What he is is an agrarian, and he understands that concentrations of power in government and finance capital together is very dangerous for the laboring classes. But this is essentially what we have, and what you would do here with this type of system, they're not talking about reforming the, the, um, the fusion of finance capital and government. We're talking about bigger government. And Jefferson would have considered bigger government to also be an evil. What he would want it, again, was people to have enough land to support themselves. Enough land to support themselves, but he wouldn't have given this to people. They would have had to pay for it. And he didn't he wasn't in favor of some type of Marxist policy of, of redistribution of wealth at all. So to say the things that Cortez says and to make the and this Levitz is simply using platitudes and half truths to support his arguments uh, and not fully understanding what the American Federal Republic was or not understanding the Jeffersonians, or not understanding the Jeffersonian critique. This is very dangerous stuff because he's, he's creating a myth. He's creating a myth of the founding period and the founding generation, the founding racists, as he calls them, the founding race. So, I mean, come on now. He, this guy is so way out there in left field that he shouldn't even be listened to. Uh, but again, this is the type of stuff in the echo chambers of the left on social media that you get. And, of course, it's great fodder for a podcast, and I can talk about how stupid these people actually are. Um, 
if you want to see Jefferson's land program, look at the land ordinance of 1785. You had land that the general government owned, and that land uh, then should be uh, properly divided to where people can have 640 acres of land for 640 bucks. He was all for selling land uh, fairly cheap and allowing the independent farmers to go out there and farm that land. And he was all for policies that would certainly restrict the fusion of government and finance capital, meaning Hamiltonianism, which is, I haven't seen Ocasio-Cortez attack the uh, Hamiltonian system that we have uh, at all. Now, I know she was railing against Amazon going into New York and the government subsidies and all the other kind of things, and that was fine. I mean, sure, she was right about that. Uh, the government shouldn't subsidize business in the state of New York. They shouldn't subsidize business anywhere. Uh, but uh, the fact is her policies are ridiculously stupid because she speaks in platitudes. She doesn't even know what she's talking about half the time. Uh, and this is, this is the real issue with, with quote-unquote AOC. Um, and uh, this idea that we can somehow tax ourselves into prosperity. Uh, it's never going to happen. And certainly uh, the founding generation, they were very wealthy people. There was highly concentrated wealth in the 18th century, in the 19th century, uh, and they weren't against that. They just simply wanted to have people, to have land, and these farmers to have independence, uh, and to have that type of economic system. They didn't want the industrial laboring classes. Jefferson was very, the Jeffersonians were very critical of industrial laboring class. In fact, they thought that the agrarian model was much better. Right? So these are the arguments. These are the things that are going on. This is where these idiots that write these things like Levitz and AOC, quote-unquote AOC, are just completely out there in left field and have no concept for the American founding. Uh, but again, great stuff for a podcast and uh, great stuff to talk about for a Brian McClanahan Show episode. I'll see you next time.